Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. And I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie came out at the same time or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, what we don't love about it, and we'll try to figure out uh, if this is something you should revisit down the road. But before we talk about this week's movie, let's give you a little bit about ourselves. Mike, you go first. All right. I'm Mike Butler. I'm an actor and writer based on the East Coast. Uh, I've acted in various short films, web series, and plays um, in and out of New York City. And for my day job, I work at a movie theater. I'm a manager at a movie theater. As am I. We actually work at the same theater. Uh, I'm also a writer-director. I've done web series shorts, features, uh, a couple features. Um, And I have two books out. So we are both well-versed on the production of content and how content is viewed and seen by audiences. So we think we have a unique viewpoint on that, but I guess that determination would be up to you, the audience. I hope you guys think so, too. <laughs> so this week, we are going to talk about The, the Legend of Tarzan. I was going to do the yell, but oh, then I opted you? not. No. Oh, okay. I was like, really briefly, I was going to do it, and then I was like, you know what? I don't want to embarrass myself. Should I embarrass myself? No, that's... Please, no. Please, no. <laughs> You may not like who you were. You may have enemies there. But you need to go home. Your husband's wildness disturbs me. I need you to scream for me. Like it turns off. He's Tarzan. You're Jane. He'll come for you. There's a thousand men down there. Twenty thousand more on the way. We don't stand a chance. A normal man can do the impossible to save the woman he loves. My husband is no more than me. All right, so what we like to do in the beginning is just kind of give you some production facts, some, you know, just kind of like the nuts and bolts of everything before we get into, you know, what we thought again of our rewatch of the movie. So, real quickly, this is directed by David Yates, who you probably may know as the gentleman who directs probably most of the Harry Potters now. Mm-hmm. Since, did he do four? I can't remember. I know three wasn't him, 
three was Karan. I think he did do four. I okay. think that's where he jumped From on. there on, I think he's been the guy. And he's obviously doing Fantastic Beasts as well, which he is already announced as the director for the next six or whatever. They have like two, three, four. I don't know. I They're, think it's five or something. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So he directed this. Uh, it's written by Adam Kozad. I'm sorry if I said that wrong. Uh, he is. He has written Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit, which I was not a huge, gigantic fan of. But, I mean, I grew up with Alec Baldwin as Jack Ryan and Harrison Ford, so I'm probably a little biased. John Krasinski's good. No, I do like the Amazon show. That is good as well. Agreed. That is agreed. Uh, Craig Brewer as well. I think Craig Brewer came on later uh, and, and did a rewrite. I think he was going to direct it, but... He opted not to, or he just he went to something else. And Craig Brewer's from Hustle and Flow, which is really good. Mm-hmm. The Footloose remake, which is decent. I mean, it's it improves upon the original. The original is really in the 80s. And I think he's heavily involved in that show Empire, which I do not watch. Uh, it's not one of the shows I picked up. This was released on July 1st, 2016. So this pretty much is a July 4th movie, which is a big release date. It mm-hmm. released opposite The Purge election year, which is the third one, because the fourth one is the first Purge. Election which, year, yeah, is the third Purge. And the, yeah, okay. And then the BFG, which is Spielberg's movie. Yes. Which I don't often talk about because I love Spielberg and the BFG. <laughs> <laughs> the movie is 110 minutes. It's rated PG-13. It stars Alexander Skarsgård from... I forgot True Blood. I totally forgot. I love that show. I, well, I do like that show, and, and my wife is Team Eric. Apparently, so he played Eric. So she was she was a big Eric guy. <laughs> Mar- uh, Margot Robbie, uh, Christoph Waltz, Samuel L. Jackson, and Digimon Hansu. I probably said that wrong as well. I apologize. Uh, it had a hundred and eighty million dollar budget. Holy cow! Uh, domestically, it grossed one twenty six. Worldwide, three fifty six. So, I mean. It made it, made it back. Yeah. Made the money back. Not here. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, and its opening weekend, it took in a little under $40 million. It actually hits... So it opened July 1st, like I said, that weekend. It still was uh, number two. It was number two. It didn't even open number one. It was Number one was Finding Dory, which was in its third week. So that tells you how popular Finding Dory was. Yeah, it's... Pixar's, Pixar's tough because you think it's a kid's oh. movie, but... It's not really a kid's movie, especially when you do a sequel to a movie that's, you know, about a decade old. You get older audiences. Well, that you, yeah, you have big time interest in that movie. I mean, I wanted to see it. Yeah. So, yeah, no, absolutely. So, okay. So, let's, uh, that, that's kind of like, you know, some, right. some facts, some, some nuts and bolts, like I said before. But let's get into, did you enjoy your rewatch? Did you feel the same way about it? This second, how many times have you seen it? This would be the second full viewing that okay. I've caught it. I caught it on, caught the last half on HBO um, it is one of those. Mo- it is one of those movies that if you are flipping around and it's on HBO, like you can leave it there. Absolutely, yeah. I, I enjoyed it more. I think this time around uh, than I did the first time. There are a couple things I liked less, but they didn't really affect my viewing that much. Okay, so give me something that you enjoyed. Well, I think before we do that, um, I think it's time for the spoiler alert. Oh, right. well, yeah, but that's not. I, I agree. You I mean go ahead, give them the spoiler. We should have a. We should have a sound effect. We should do something. I mean, this is this is in 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 the podcast. We should have something <laughs> where it's like, woo, oh, absolutely. I think I that'd think be cool. Yeah. Right, excellent. Good. We're only like how many episodes into this? Ten. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert: If you haven't seen the Legend of Tarzan, stop the podcast. Pause it. Go back. Watch Tarzan. Come back to this podcast. 
listen to it on several devices, <laughs> and uh, we'll tell you what we thought about it. Excellent. I mean, there's not like we're ruining anything for you. There's no big mystery involved in yeah, this, this one. This is one of the first ones where there's not like yeah, a seriously, idea. yeah, where we're not revealing big big time plot points. It's yeah. more of yeah, it's pretty straightforward, which is uh, something I guess you could you could appreciate about the movie. Yes. All right. So now you're back. So All again, right. I ask again, Mike, what? Give me something you liked about it. I really like, and I liked it the first time I saw, it, but this time, looking at it less as looking at it more for me, judging it as a filmmaking kind of thing instead of just looking at it like oh it's a movie i'm gonna watch it um the landscape shots that they do the the wide shots when they're in a Afri- lot of wide when shots. they're in africa right and right. it's it's very evocative of the 1930s uh type of filmmaking which um like the romantic films of then which tarzan there were many tarzan films made back then that were also evocative of that time so i really like those landscape when they first get to africa and he goes across the Sahara and you first meet the lion cubs that have grown right. up and he meets them you get that nice shot of the hills going by the grass and they're just tiny little objects walking across this huge landscape um, which also another thing I like is it really establishes at Africa as the character in this film it's a Tarzan film first and foremost but it's almost like the supporting character is Africa or the Congo which I think is cool uh it's funny you bring that up, which I enjoy too. I, I actually, I didn't, this is going to sound weird, but like I, I was, when he first, I remember watching it and he, cause they're walking across the plains, they get off the train or they get off the boat early and they walk cause they're going to his, they're going to their tribe. Right. And he first walks in, he sees the cubs. It's like, I, I was like, that's a pretty emotional scene. I mean, granted, they're CGI; they're not real, and I mean, it's tough because you mentioned the the landscapes and how how it looks, and right. I, I agree, it looks great. But I can't help but sit there and be like, okay, it looks great. How much of this was done in post? How oh, much? I mean, so I, I, much probably right. <laughs> so how can I, I, like at what point? Because it's it's a love hate relationship. It looks great. It's fantastic. It looks good on the screen. But it's not. It, it, there's an element of this isn't real. And I think you're able to get Africa. You know, if you're shooting it in camera to look beautiful. Do you need to act? Do you need whatever they did to accent all that? Uh, having never been to Africa. No, I know that. I get <laughs> I can't that. tell like what what it looks like. Can you do how many landscape shots? Can you do like that where you're not maybe in a more dangerous part of the country or continent where there's not you know, a cable news van like five hundred <laughs> feet away or more established um, sure. society. So I'm maybe not, you need those shots. It's not a. Ne- it's definitely not a negative. I'm not saying this in a negative way. Oh, I know. I'm, it's more of kind of like a commentary on just modern filmmaking. You know, I think that it's very easy for people to want their aesthetic to be perfect, and they want that. I want it to look this way, so they turn towards digital to get it just the way they want it. When you can still get that beauty if you just work at it in camera. And granted, it's a $180 million budget, so I'm sure the money was being spent elsewhere. And again, it looks great, and I don't, I'm just curious as to could you have done it in a way where just the, just the generic landscape shots when they're walking, not gotcha. in the action stuff, when they're jumping through the trees and stuff like that. Obviously, you need to enhance that. Right. Right. So, yeah. So, I agree. I mean, it does look good. I, I like the way it looks. I will say this cause while we're talking about the cinematography, and the cinematographer was Henry uh, uh, Braham. Man, I need to learn how to say people's names. It's just, it's embarrassing. We're but, sorry. Yeah, exactly. If he's listening to this, then well, you know what? Good. Um, <laughs> I thought that when they were in London, 
and I was trying to see like at the beginning of the movie. The beginning of the movie obviously doesn't start in London; it starts at the the rival tribe because they're going to get the diamonds. Right. That's super gray. That's super. Uh, maybe not saturated. It's just gray. Right. London's gray. It's rainy. It's and then then they get to Africa and. For the most part, there's color there. There's warmth. There's even like if I don't know if you remember this, when he's in London and he's sitting in the back of the cat. I know exactly. I wrote a note about it. The, the, the shaft of light when he decides that he's going to go. Yep, it's like a little bit of Africa's finally show, right. showing through. I know he does the gorilla noise, or whatever he like like the the guttural like he goes Hoo, like that real mm-hmm. quick, and then the shaft of light. I thought that was really cool. I couldn't quite. see see if it was a like it was really an aesthetic choice to continue the color because they still it still kind of felt muted sometimes when they were in Africa. I feel like they put like a film grain on it a little bit especially some of the jungle scenes but it is they do introduce color. If you notice there's almost no blue once they get to Africa. Blue is reserved for London and England and the only bit of blue which I can't figure out what it meant was the butterfly that lands on her shoulder when she's on the boat and then flies away and she smiles at it. But at the same time, blue throughout the rest of it up until hmm. then had represented London. That's interesting. We should. That's a. Now I'm intrigued. Now I want to know. Darn it. Now I want to know. <laughs> I want to know what that meant. But yeah. So because when they go to the tribe, when they go to the um, and the, when the first time, it's really warm. It's really. It's beautiful. It's like you know. It's a. It's. It's a great set, and they have the sun in the back and stuff like that. It's great. Um, that's and obviously that's his home, so it felt like home. But then mm-hmm. when they get into the house. When she goes into like, cause they don't really they don't really go back to like the cabin like when it, like they meet the cabin where she was and he says as custom no one's been in there since you've left right and she only goes in there real quickly and they cut and then they only go back later on when they get ambushed uh, they go back when she makes love to Tarzan no that's what I mean well. but that's what I'm saying oh like, that's right before you, the, the ambush. ambush so you really you're never in there but even when they get there that's gray yes yeah so like that that tells me that. Maybe I'm thinking I'm looking too much into the aesthetic of the film, mm-hmm. saying that like, oh, they're really, you know, they're really focusing where they're going to put the color and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, so that's all. I just. Oh yeah, yeah. I I really enjoyed the use of color. I think maybe the reason that scene is gray is because that is the civilized home. Uh, not I don't want to call it civilized home. That is the. That is the London America. That is the West uh, home. Right. No, um, I got so you. So that's why that inside of that's gray. Right. We don't really see the inside of any of their other huts. Would that have been colored differently? Well, and while we're on the sub, while we're on the beginning of the movie, I, I thought that the fir- I thought the opening was really good. It sets the tone. You know, I want Tarzan. You know, you want these diamonds. You need to bring me Tarzan. Right. Boom. That's that's, that's what the movie's about. It's a sequel. Right. right. Which right. is cool, right. and that sets it up as a sequel. There is one thing I desire above all else. Bring it to me. Bring him to me. You shall have your diamonds. All I need is a name. Right. And then the opening 20 to 30 minutes, I actually thought they did a really good job of blending in what happened to him. You know, how he became Tarzan a little bit. Mm -hmm. The relationship that he developed with his mother, with his ape mother. And just kind of like where he is now. And stuff like that. I thought that all that was done really well. Like it had because once the action starts, because there isn't other than the, the gun battle and they and they shoot everyone uh, the, in the beginning, there really isn't any action until they get ambushed, and then it pretty much just goes. 
It, yeah. it just keeps it, it, there's no slowing down. They do have the dinner. They do have the Raiders of the Lost Ark Marion <laughs> dinner that they that they do. And and we'll, I and I want to get into Christoph Waltz's character a little bit later, probably like in two minutes. But um, do they do kind of slow down a little bit? But it really just kind of like goes. Once the action kicks off, it goes and it flows. And I think that's a big positive for this movie because it doesn't ever feel like I'm bogged down. Right. I mean, you never look at your clock. But I think that's also because it's trying to be, again, evocative of those movies from the the 30s, the adventure films, which Raiders as well was trying to be evocative of. So they're trying to be like, all right, here's our film. It's adventure. This is the adventure. The first 30 minutes, let's lay it out for you. Maybe even less than 30 minutes. And now Mm -hmm. let's go on the adventure. All the pawns are in place. Listen, Raiders is a good... Is a good story to to, to ape, pardon the pun, <laughs> uh, when you're trying to tell. <laughs> that is the fakest laugh. So when you're trying to edit, well, I mean, excuse me, when you're trying to write this story, I mean, that's it's, it's. I mean, I would say inarguably, but I can I'll say arguably, uh, Raiders is the greatest action adventure movie of all time. Certainly, the greatest adventure movie. Of yes. All time. Well, I'm I'm actually I'm looping that together, but right. adventure. I, I that, yes, it's inarguably the greatest adventure movie of all time. Arguably the greatest action adventure movie of all time, and I don't want to get on a Raiders tangent, but there is no action in the last twenty minutes of that movie, and it's, I'm telling you, it's the best action adventure movie of all time. So think about that. You don't need to end your movie with action. That being said, the Tarzan movie. <laughs> <laughs> Just get back on topic. I liked the the development of the story. I liked the structure of the of the script in itself. In and of itself, I would say I like the format up to a point um there's a scene toward i think probably toward the middle or last 75 percent of the film right after the train car scene tarzan looks out the window for no reason at all we're given a flashback to him and jane and they're they're passed together when she first is it, which flashback is that when that they first meet be when a little after her? i think that's when he's dragged into the hut i know that now that now they're talking about the rival tribe so i guess that that makes it work but you're talking about when he protects her. Right. I think it's right after, yeah. yeah Him protecting her and she right. gets taken into the hut. And it's like the flash, flashbacks up until that point were kind of framed well. Um, they were framed, um, if you ever watched the show Arrow on TV, the first five seasons, they always do flashbacks. And there's always a framing device. And Tarzan was using that as well. Like, hey, you remember this? And then he, he looks up to the sky and then he flashback to Tarzan's life. That's but a in fair the point. last part, the last like two flashbacks just seem kind of shoehorned in there like... Mm-hmm. We got to get these in here. We didn't really do a setup for these. That's a fair point. I mean, TV has they TV has to have that structure because you have multiple writers coming in and 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 multiple directors, and it's like this is what we do. This is how we do things. We need to fit within this format, right? For, yeah, no, I get you. And movies don't have that, so and you probably have multiple edits and multiple writers. That's a fair point. So something that kind of I did, I had a question about. I don't know if you did. So that when they when Christoph Waltz. Uh, Rom, Leon Rom, 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 okay. yep. Rom goes to the. They go to catch Tarzan. They find out he's at that. Well, for some reason, they just. They, I guess they just figured out he's there. Yes. Um. They like why kill the chief? Like you're you have him out there at gunpoint because you want Tarzan to come get you. He's coming to get you. You've trapped him. Why are you shooting the chief? Uh, I think it's twofold. One to make the other natives get in line because he's going to be using them as slaves, and B also. He t- tells Jane he wants to be the legend. He doesn't like Tarzan because he's some rich, rich guy who made it in the jungle and then made it again, went back to his life of, of luxury. So he's he wants to be the guy who ends up beating Tarzan. So because I want to get into Ram a little bit, uh, Christoph Waltz's character. I didn't 
I didn't feel like he was doing a bunch of different things. And they were fine. But I like it was almost like I didn't feel like it was really defined, like what exactly he was doing. And I'll give you I'll give you an example. Like I got the sense that they were trying to he was trying to make his character OCD. You know, like he was like a little like I get that, yeah. Like want everything neat at the dinner when he moves the utensils. But okay, but here's the thing: when you're fine dining and you're eating, and if you don't like the meal, you cross the utensils. You put the utensils over each other, saying, telling the chef that you're done, or the waiter, but you don't like your meal. When you put them perpendicular, that means you're you, you know you enjoyed your meal. So is he moving them back because he doesn't want he he doesn't want the person who made the food to know that it was bad? Is he or is he moving them back because he wants them even? Like this is what I'm saying. Like it's stuff like that. Like so when she tells him, which I don't understand the comment because the comment feels like when she says this, it feels like I missed something because she's like, you know, your mustache is shorter on the right side a little. When she tells him that, like I, I get it, you're trying to like throw him off, but mm-hmm. I have, you have not set that up that he is a perfectionist or whatever. He's OCD, you know, because you know he sits there and he like he. I you know what I mean? Like yeah. a, it's just a really like bothersome comment. Like if somebody tells sure. you one of your eyebrows is it looks a little shorter than the other one, you're gonna you're gonna touch it. It's just like a childish kind of thing, but oh. it kind of gets to this big bad guy. Like that, that I, I think it just is something she said. Maybe she didn't need to know that. I get that. I don't have a problem with any of the stuff they're trying to do, but it doesn't seem like it seems like they're trying things because then he talks about how he doesn't like Tarzan, right? Because he's a savage. Because he's a rich boy who made it. But he was still – but but that don't get that sense. I got the sense he didn't like him because he's like from the jungle and he's not refined. Like what I'm saying is that the, the different style choices that he made with Rom, it doesn't – they don't really seem to match up. They just seem to like – it's almost like I'm going to come up with some stuff. This is what I'm going to do because um, I, I have this idea of my character. you know, And it just it does – it doesn't seem like it was ever – maybe taken into account by the director or the editor in terms of keeping it consistent. It just, I don't know. I just, I couldn't find from the place. Then I'm not saying, I might be missing it. I think Christoph Waltz (laughs) is a fantastic actor. I just want to say that first of all. Uh, Agreed. No. And I'm not, I'm supporting your point. He gets cast as villains in movies that aren't very good sometimes, oftentimes. Like half 50-50. For example? Green Hornet. This film... I don't want to get into those other films. Okay. But I think maybe you cast him and then you're just like, we need someone. Maybe the producer of the film was like, listen, the villain's a little weak. We like the script. Let's get Christoph Waltz in here. Maybe he can do something with it. And they just tell Christoph Waltz, just try things to make. And maybe Christoph Waltz just couldn't find what it is that he needed to do to get in that space to make that villain memorable. So he just tried a bunch of stuff. And I think that's what he does oftentimes. Um, people just look at uh, Inglorious Bastards and go, all right, he can be a really good villain, really complex, really awesome. That's great writing. But they don't, they don't need, yeah, they don't know how to use him like maybe like Quentin Tarantino does. Or the movie's not necessarily, it doesn't hinge on the villain like that movie does. Mm-hmm. So I think the same thing's happening a lot with Ben Mendelsohn as well, with Rogue One, with um, Ready Player One, with Captain Marvel. With the ever popular Robin Hood. God. That will not be forgotten. I mean, actually, it no, will be forgotten. It will be forgotten, and that's probably a good thing. I believe it already is. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's ha- that happens with people that can play a good villain is they're then typecast. Yeah. 
and they get chosen in to fill weaker villain roles, which kind of weakens their kind of name and their brand. It's like, all right, they played a great villain once, and then we see that that villain again and again and again because we're just like, do this, do that. It's just if the writing's not there, it's hard to get. It's hard to support that. I agree. I, I mean, but you and I mean, we both had this discussion on set or in a movie. It, yes, it's the actor's job to bring that character forth, but the actor needs help, not because the actor can't do it. Right. The actor that's needs guidance. Yeah. That's what you're there for. Like as a director, as I something, you know, I'm there to help the actor get to where he needs to go. I'm not there to make sure the actor says the lines that I have written or to make sure that he does the performance the way I want it to be done. I, I, there's a, I have an idea of how I want things to be done, mm-hmm. but I want the actor to be involved with that with me to be like, listen, I want to try this. And if it, I always say if it's in service of the story, great. I always use this example. If an actor comes up to me and says, like, I want to wear this top hat, and I want to be like, why? Because I think it'll look cool in it. It's like, okay, no. I mean, let's, like, come on. But so, yes. I agree with you. I, and maybe you it's a big budget movie so you're not you know you you want Tarzan. You want to get Tarzan right. I get that. And that's fine. And like again, we're probably nitpicking and we're probably Absolutely because kind of, yeah, again, yeah. we I think we both really like this movie so Agreed. We are kind of nitpicking. Yeah, I just always remember the I always remember the line he's your husband's wildness disturbs me. Like it's just like <laughs> why? <laughs> I also don't get his relationship with Margot Robbie. Um clearly he's trying to be like uh Renee from Raiders of Lost Ark. And Marion, um, but at the same time, whereas Renee actually does seem to care for Marion, right up until up to a point, he cares for her until he realizes that the his Nazi bosses don't, you know, uh, supersede that. Yeah, his his need for success overweighs his caring for Marion. I don't get that Christoph Waltz ever really cared for Jane. He's very quick to say, "I will kill you. I'll kill you right now. I'll kill you then. I'll kill you at dinner time. I don't care. I'll choke you out with my cross thing." <laughs> Um, which you know what's funny about that with which I like the 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 rosary yeah but like you didn't need to use it in the beginning you could have just used it in that scene to set it up for later at the end of the movie you know when he uses it in the beginning the guy tags yeah. him I, I, th- I thought like because I, I thought it would have been cool to have the rosary throughout the entire until we he's with Jane and he uses it and you're like oh that's why he's got that around his hand all the time and then you see it later on. But that's, again, I also, well, speaking of the opening, because I keep going back to the opening, unless I cut you off, unless you were, like, finishing up a point. No, I thought it was, right. that was pretty much it. Right. Um, I actually really liked the Mobongo. Uh, is it Mobongo? The, the Hansu's character, the, the, the guy that wanted, that he killed his son. Oh, I really like his character as well. I actually like, like, at the end of the, when, when, when he leaves and he's like, listen, this is bigger than you, and he lets him go, he puts his hands up. It's like, his storyline is not over. Like, it's tragic because, you know, he still doesn't have, he still, I don't think he has closure in terms of, like, his, he killed his son because his son killed his mother. How was he to know? I could be wrong, but I believe his character was being set up to be used in a sequel. Oh, Okay. I think they had other films planned. They wanted to pull from the books and stuff like that. I don't remember if he was in the in the actual story or not. Um, the original novels, I believe there are eight of them, plus obviously all the various spinoffs. But they wanted to use his character going forward in other films, either as a villain or just a character in general. Yeah, I'd be okay with a sequel. I mean, I think you've, it's, we're three years past it now in terms of when it came out, so... Listen, if Bill and Ted's Face the Music can come out this summer, <laughs> I'm good. His son's old enough that you can cast a child actor now and yeah, that's do it five true. years later. That's true. Yeah. yeah, I'd be fine with that. But I really like that. I thought that like that wasn't it wasn't really for the terms of this story, yes, Tarzan got through and he's gonna go save Jane and all that stuff, but 
that the chief's character was still had, I think there were still open wounds there. And I felt really, and he's, he's like crying. He's like a tears coming down. I thought, I thought that was well done. I he's he's a great actor. Oh no, absolutely. He's in, um, in America. Have you ever seen that? I don't think so. But he's actually really, really good in it. You know, I should really, I should check and make sure I got the, I got the name of the movie right. <laughs> but yeah, no, he's, uh, he's really good in that. He's a good actor, but I think he's a little tease typecast too sometimes. Like, cause he's in all the Marvel movies now and, you know, he's always playing, like, in these action movies. He's a very tough-looking guy. Of course. Um, but, yeah, he is a great actor. I mean, I love Blood Diamond. Yeah, that's a good movie. And I've... that was, like, one of the – not the first time I saw him, but one of the very first things. I thought Blood Diamond – it's a little long, but we're not talking about Blood Diamond. We're talking about Tarzan. <laughs> <laughs> Apologize. We always go on tangents. This is now the Hunsu cast. <laughs> That'll be the um, – we'll do a, uh, a specialty one for just actors. That'll be our first one. <laughs> Um, so what else did you like about it? Um, again, I mean, I always go back to the fact that it's a sequel, which I really like. It's not trying to... It's trying to it tells you the story of Tarzan without making it an origin movie. And I really like that Africa as a character aspect of it. The whole thing is just... Tarzan's there to support the themes that they have going for the movie, which is Africa. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost like a travel ad uh, in a little <laughs> way. It's like, hey, Africa. If it digitally, cool. if it digitally altered, yes, it's digitally altered Africa. But it's still everybody shows Africa, even things that take place. Obviously, not like Lion King and stuff like that, like animated features. But a lot of things that show Africa show it as a place that's not so great, or show it in as like a troubled place. And this really shows it in its in its beauty. It's a beautiful place kind of untouched in a way, yeah. although people try to meddle in it. And it's just kind of a, a primordial place of nature, which I really liked that aspect of well, it. Well, the, the truckload of tusks that they had in the beginning when they're uh, oh, yeah. gross. I'm getting Absolutely. a break. Well, that was, that was uh, no, what I got they you. did back then. Uh, the ivory and, what do they say, the ivory and diamond trade or something, something like that? Like when that. They, I mean, that's the beginning. what they're after is diamonds. Yeah, no, no doubt. I also want to see how exa- how villainous was the uh, the king of Belgium Yeah, you know what? That's that's then. funny because it's funny you mentioned that because they kept saying like King Leopold, he was brought up a bunch of times, but you never saw him. You just saw Rom and then you saw, I guess, the banker that was... The banker, but he wasn't a Belgian banker because he wanted to... Uh, he wanted to Sue the king for his debts. He was he was going to basically take a cut from the diamonds, right? And then you know he was going to get paid. He was going to he was going to get overpaid instead of just basically because he's going to turn around and go back to the government, and be like, "You need to pay me." And, and that's what I mean. That's where he's going. If he didn't get eaten by the alligators, <laughs> which we never see. Alleg- mating call. What was that? Mating call. <laughs> um, we haven't even talked about Jackson. We haven't even talked about Samuel Jackson in this. So okay, I can talk about Sam Jackson. It's my notes right here. Excellent. He's he's our window into the world of Tarzan. He's us. He's us. Tarzan. Exactly. I mean, he's got his tragic background, which he says later on. You know, he fought in the Civil War, which I was like, oh wow, I forgot what time period it takes. Place he he um he's almost like I mean he's, he's almost like his character in the Hateful Eight. That kind of same character who you know was just like from the Civil War went off and started fighting. I think in that same, I think he went off down to Mexico in that too. That's, yep. Yeah. I like that he always just points out how ridiculous things are when when it's going on. It's yeah. like ants are ridiculous. But he still tries the ant. <laughs> Tastes like bacon. <laughs> shooting is ridiculous. Going off the trees is ridiculous. He just he says what we all think when the when the stuff that's 
more Hollywood happens, he's there to make a comment about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, you do. You need you need us. You need you need a member of the audience who is out of his element, right. which is us too, because Jane's from there. Jane grew up there. Tarzan obviously is from there. The the, the tribesman that he's with, you know, other, other than Rom, you know, and you don't want to connect with Rom, so you need someone there that's us, and that's Jackson. Absolutely, all your best superhero or larger than life figures need a companion who's our window into the world. Yeah, and he would have been. I mean, that would have been a good. Like it, like you said, if there was a sequel, I could have seen him coming back and everyone coming back. They became, yeah, yeah, except for Rom. They probably, yeah, no, obviously. Spoiler alert: <laughs> he gets eaten. Which you know what's funny is, so you, so he's the hero. Tarzan's the hero, and at the end of the movie, he's holding on to the rosary or the Egyptian silk, whatever it's called, and he's asking him to. Let, he's asking. He's he's like John, help me, and he lets it go. He basically lets it go. I know it says it slips out of his hand, but I think he lets it go. Like that's not a hero move. But again, he's Tarzan, and the law of the jungle is different than the, the law, law of man. Right. right. So I thought that I thought that fit. I thought it wasn't like. Well, you know, when he releases it, when he calls him John, right? Almost like he's letting go of the title of good John. job. Good catch. Good catch. No, agreed. Yes. And I, and I think that's a nice. And that also the bookend of her getting uh, having the baby. You know, like you know when they were they went to. London and they, she couldn't she lost a child and they were trying to have a child and you know he leaves you know the jungle but it's where he belongs at least he, he belongs on the continent right um, that's his home and that's where he's you know he can bridge the he's both man and both animal and I also like how Jane as opposed to a lot of interpretations she's not there to civilize him she wants him to be Tarzan right she wants to go back to Africa to live there and all the other iterations I've ever seen Jane's like, oh, come back to London with me. It'll be great. Um, you're this big, strong man, but I can, I can teach you and civilize which you. Is, which is pretty crappy because it's like, you know, he, you know what I mean? Like to pull him from that and like, no, you're this. Right. You become this. So you don't like, really love him. Right. You want to change him. Whereas right. this Jane loves him exactly the way he and, is. And I think that's a, that's a great, I don't want to say twist, but that's a great story element that was not in the other ones. That's, I think that makes this movie more palatable like just kind of like you more like you 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 like it more because it's more honest it's more truthful right. and she's a jane that i want to say tarzan deserves or that that she's a jane that deserves tarzan yes agreed I, I just was i was mixing up my words i gotcha but yeah no i agree that's 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 a that's another good point like she's you know when she he says she, he doesn't want to go back and she's all like oh you know she's trying to pack and i think right. that's great yeah i also like which they don't do enough of although maybe they've been seeing it more and more is Films where your hero isn't the love story in it isn't the hero looking for a woman. He's already got the woman, and it's just about their relationship. You don't have to like build it all up. It's just about the love between the two people. Sure. So it's not like a will they, won't they? Right. It's, they do, and here's their love. And I, I I enjoy that aspect maybe more than like a movie where, you know, if you're introducing a superhero and you've introduced Lois Lane for the first time, sure, go ahead. But if you're establishing the hero's already there, that they already have a relationship, I enjoy that better than the will they, won't they? Because you know they are. Mm-hmm. I also actually like the placement of the yell. I, you're doing a Tarzan movie. You have to have the yell. Absolutely. And I like, and I think it's very easy for them to do the yell at the beginning of the end where the wildebeest charge in. Mm-hmm. I think that's a spot where you could have put it there, and I wouldn't have liked it there because that's so cliched. Yeah. But the fact that he does it after he gets through, signaling to Rom, I'm still on your tail, when he probably figured he was going to be left for dead. Yep. I thought that was a really nice spot to put it. It fit, it worked, and it, you know. It's almost announcing the last act uh, or the last part of the last yes. part of the third act. I also enjoy Rom's comment. I oh. thought it'd be better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is probably something the filmmakers thought of was 
we can't do that right. How are we going to fit that in where it's not silly? Yeah. So Ron's going to comment and kind of really works. You don't you don't think that that's important, but it is. I mean, right. you, you want to. You, I mean, you're doing a you're doing a a story that's been told before by countless people over time, and the yell is very symbolic. You can't not do it. So you have to put it in there, but you have to be right where you put it in there so that it doesn't take you out of the movie. So I think that was a, a, a good a good call where they put it. Absolutely. Another thing I liked is I like the uh, score, which is scored by Rupert Gregson Williams, who's the brother of Harry Gregson Williams, and I did not know that he had a brother that was also a composer. Look at you. And I wrote that it was reminiscent of the Dark Knight trilogy, and then I found out that Rupert works for Hans Zimmer's <laughs> uh, team of composers called Remote Control Production. <laughs> yes, I, I I heard a lot of the drums as well. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I thought that was cool. I also like the African music that plays the chanting. I like that they created their own song for Tarzan, uh, telling the story of Tarzan within that song. I thought that was cool as well. They're singing the legend of Tarzan. For many moons, he was thought to be an evil spirit. I think it's easy to dismiss, and partly why it got lost, partly why people just kind of don't think about it. I mean, because it didn't do a lot of money domestically. It didn't even make its budget back. It was huge worldwide, and that's probably because of the lure of Tarzan. Plus, it's an action movie, and those, those always play well. Plus, he has no shirt off, and I'm sure that played well overseas. <laughs> Um, and did you notice that they kept taking articles of clothing off as he was going through? Absolutely, yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah. He became more and more Tarzan. Right, exactly. So I think that part of the reason that, again, why it got overlooked is it could be like the CGI. It could be like maybe it, sh- it, it does seem like a lot of other movies, like uh, at first glance, when right. you see the trailer, when you see – people might just not be inter- interested in Tarzan – but when you get into the bones of the movie and you and the music and the locale and the storytelling, I mean, the, the big thing about this movie, why I like it, is it it's a story that was told well. And even though we sat here and nitpicked for a while, which we're going to do any movie, it's a, it was a well-told story and it keeps you engrossed and you don't care. I mean, I'm always like a proponent of more practical than CGI. Right. But you're not going to do that scene at the end without CGI. You're just not going to. Yes. But the way they did it when he's running, he's just charging. Like, I love the fact that he's just going forward. He's always moving forward. Not just at the end, but throughout the whole thing. It's never like, like, even when they get on the train, which I didn't even mention, and he gets into the, with the Belgian army, and they're always yep. like, and, and the guy stands up, he's like, really? <laughs> But he's he just he just beats the crap out of all of them, and they have that one big guy come in, and you're like waiting for this big fight, he just kicks him out of the uh, very yeah. evocative of Raiders again. Exactly. Again, that's a great story to copy. Go for it. Sure. But I think that the fact that he's always moving forward is like in line with his character. It's not you avoid those cliches of like always. You know, he's not he's not a hero like if we're gonna do the Raiders. Yes, Indiana Jones is an otherworldly guy, but he's a regular guy. He's an archaeologist. He's a regular guy, yes. a regular Joe. So he has those moments where he's not go- he's not superhuman, but not Tarzan. Tarzan is more than human, and he's somebody who's an animal and who's somebody who's always going to keep going until he finishes it. Even when he gets shot toward the end, he just right, keeps right. running. It doesn't phase him. Right, and that's in line with the character. Again, that's great storytelling, and I think that's why this movie is something that we both recommended for Forgotten Cinema was because – it's people need to go back and watch this and just kind of enjoy the storytelling. Absolutely. So is there anything you didn't like about it? 
Other than the stuff that we've already talked about that we were kind of nitpicking at. When I watched it this time, okay, I really hated the CGI of the apes. It really Which bugged part? me. Which part? Um, the fight toward the end because there was the fog. The fog kind of masked it, but the lighting wasn't quite right on the apes. When the flashback scene when he kills um, Tarzan's when they kill Tarzan's father and uh, mo- not the mother, mother's already dead when they take Tarzan. And the first couple of scenes of younger Tarzan, the apes just didn't really hold up as well as I thought they did last time. And it might be because the Planet of the Apes movies have come out. Sure. And I'm just used to seeing that. But I didn't like the CGI as much this time. Okay. When the apes were there. That's really a fair point. I But I think, I mean, that's just the choice. I mean, what are you going to, I don't like people in costumes if they're not doing, you know what I mean? I think you run the risk of it being worse. I think practical costumes with the CGI faces. Mm, maybe. I don't know. A couple of scenes where you maybe just show like a, an arm next to him, like when he's punching, that could have been that could have been a real. Okay, I, I just like when they blend CGI and practical. That's fair. It's a fair point. Anything else? I don't have that much that I didn't like. I mean, I went over most of it. That's pretty much my big thing that I did not care for is the the CGI, and it's only three years old. But maybe that's just how far we've come already. Um, that close in it. I also don't like how clean shaven Tarzan is when he comes out of the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> what you couldn't buy a sharp get a sharp rock and kind of shave himself a little listen i'm okay with him being hairless chest wise maybe he just doesn't grow hair there but you're growing a beard even if it's a patchy beard. well how wait a minute, hold on are you talking about in the beginning in the beginning when he meets margot oh character? i thought you meant like when he's running around at the end and he, and he comes out no 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 no. But oh. when, when he comes out he's got the dreads and everything and the dirty hair no beard well he's he scandinavian maybe he didn't he wasn't somebody who he was you know <laughs> He's always clean. Maybe they shaved. Maybe the apes learned how to shave back then. But that, that's another fair point. So you don't like this movie. Really cool, Mike. Really cool. I hate this movie because <laughs> of that. I also noticed that the ostrich scene is basically the Gallimimus scene in Jurassic oh, Park. Oh, absolutely. I noticed that, especially <laughs> with the running. I mean, but like, yeah, I noticed that too. I mean, like, does that f- go into their, like, it's almost like, it's almost like they took it, like, yeah, so listen, so they took it back to the, uh, uh, special effects guys and like listen so ostriches have to be run yeah, yeah yeah and he just took a template from the Jurassic <laughs> Park movie like the same engine that we use oh, it's the same engine we use for this movie over here and they just replace the ostriches watch this dinosaurs. control X control V I got some ostriches dinos become ostriches <laughs> you're welcome are they gonna dive behind any uh, rocks over here or any logs or anything like that giant hippopotamus comes and just eats <laughs> one behind a tree no yeah yeah, I noticed that too. I mean, I was okay with that. I was like, hey, but then I'm like, why? But then, whatever. It might just be an homage. I I just noticed it. I wasn't. No, it was very, very. It was very reminiscent. I agree. I agree. So I think we both are of the same mind that people should watch this. Absolutely. Yeah, people should go back and revisit it. You know what it is? Also, it's an adventure movie, and there are no adventure movies anymore. Or it's very rare that there's an adventure movie. I think that's accurate. I don't. I don't. There's no adventure movies anymore. They're all, just they're all, they're all action. Yeah. That, no one knows how to do adventure. Right. I, th- I mean, I think there's some kind of there's gun shyness in terms of like you you don't want to be doing the next Raiders because then people are gonna be like you're doing Raiders, you know. So I get that. Um, but yeah, it comes I'm, back around. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think on the top of my head something that was adventure that's been recent. I mean, Aquaman tried to be no, an adventure film. No, no, no. I'm going to cut you off right there. <laughs> no, it is not one. My man. I said tried to be. I uh, dig it. <laughs> <laughs> that's not from that one. That's from uh, Justice League. Yeah, that's League. from Justice League. Yeah, no, I can't think of one. I can't. I mean, The Adventures of Tintin. That was before Tarzan, too. That though. was, but that's 
That's underrated. That's a good. They movie. still need to make a third one. No, they didn't even make the second one. I thought they made the second one. The second one's supposed to be Peter Jackson. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that this is probably the last adventure movie. I mean, we're probably missing something. But uh, yes, watch this movie. David H is a really good director. I know he's getting some guff for the second Fantastic Beast. I know people didn't like that. I still enjoyed the second. Fantastic I did too. Beast. I uh, the thing with Fantastic, uh, we always get these tangents. The thing with Fantastic <laughs> Beasts is that you, if you don't are not engrossed in the Harry Potter world, you're not into it, you're not going to like it. You're just not going to. And that's fine. I get it. You know, you, you're not going to be able to walk into, like, how many, how many times we have people who walk into the theater here and go to see a movie that's a sequel and, and they're like, is it good? And I go, well, did you see the first two? No. Eh, it don't matter. People then don't You're not going to get it. Exactly. You don't care. Exactly. So... Man, I'm, not, I'm not even steeped in the lore all that much, although I've seen all the films. Well, it's even still I But you know it. it. Yeah. yeah, but you know it. You know yeah. of it. You know when, I mean, you know when they're, t- so I think if you're into that, like you like Harry Potter and you like grown up Harry Potter, then that's, you're going to be into that. So uh, right. in all fairness to David Yates, but David Yates is a good director, really good director. And I think he does a really good job here. And I mean, I think you should watch it. Which is good because I believe he's still signed on to do the eventual Big budget Hollywood Doctor Who, if that ever happens. I don't think they canceled that, so. Who's going to be that? Are they going to have all of them come back? I think it's supposed to be its own its own universe, a new Doctor Who that's that's Hollywood. Oh, come on. Um, but they want to wait for the show to run its course. That show's going to go on for another 15 years. Maybe, maybe not. But they signed David Yates as director already, and I think they assigned a couple writers. Well, if it's not David Tennant as the Doctor, I'm not watching it. Uh, who am I kidding? I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess we want to plug now stuff. Do you want to do yes. you want to plug a plug sure. away? You go. No, you know what? I'll go first. You go. I have nothing to plug. No, so <laughs> <laughs> I just finished uh, my second book, Adam Parker and the High School Bully, which is a second book in the Adam Parker mystery series. If you like Encyclopedia Brown, if you remember that book, he's a boy detective. Imagine if he grew up and he uh, didn't like being a detective. So he's now all grown up and he's forced into the first book dealt with him being forced into being a detective. The second book, the new one, deals with somebody from his past coming back to ruin his life and then ultimately kill him. So that's out at Amazon. It's available as ebook and paperback. Relatively inexpensive. Feel free to use it for your Christmas shopping. <laughs> it's a great stocking stuff for folks. Absolutely. It's big enough to fit into a stocking. It was checked. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it right now for me. All right. And then uh, I, Mike Butler, have two other podcasts that I do. I have Two Player Bros, which is out now. Uh, it's a podcast by two brothers who play way too many video games. Join me, player one, my brother Alex, player two, as we take a look at video games on all platforms. We preview ones coming out, we review ones that came out, and we talk about the latest gaming news. It's a fun time. You should check it out at twoplayerbros.com. I also have another podcast called Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise, where we crack open a beer and we talk brews, news, and pop culture reviews. So that's a good one to just chill out and have fun. And also, like and subscribe to our podcast, wherever podcasts can be found. And rate and review. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Cut. (laughs) (laughs) Don't add shit. Oh, that was terrible. (laughs) No shame.